At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Jerry's World is brought to you by Less Is More Events. Get live. Welcome to Cherry's World. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning into Cherry's World. It is Black History Month. And in honor of Black History Month, we will have Dr. Umorin calling in. Dr. Umorin is handsome. He is brilliant. He is successful. He is an internist and he is going to give us a scoop on his coronavirus and so much more. After we speak to Dr. Umorin, we will be speaking with the ladies, the founders of Legacy Kits. Legacy Kits is a subscription-based box that is put together to help your child learn about Black history all year long. So if you are interested in subscribing to Legacy Kits, to finding out exactly what goes in those kits, make sure you stay tuned. Happy Black History Month, Cherry's World. This is Cherry's World. Making Memory Sale Series. It's a sale that allows families and people in our communities in any city, state, or showtime to attend a series of events at a lower price than most, such as like the Trolls Live, Disney on Ice, the Universal Soul Circus, concerts, sports, and more. Contact Less Is More Events at 202-930-3533. Again, that's 202-930-3533. Visit the website, getlimetickets.com. They're on social media, Facebook, IG, Twitter. Less is more events. Get out and live. Hey, if you're listening to Cherry's World Podcast on Apple Podcasts and iTunes, please give us a five star. Let us know what you think. Leave us a review. I want to hear from you. Thank you. Would you like to advertise on Cherry's World and have your product placed on Cherry's social media for the world to see? Email us now at cherriesworldpodcast at gmail.com for low introductory rates. Cherry's World Podcast. Get heard. The week that was and this week's trending topics on Cherry's World. Okay, Cherry, let's start with Kobe Bryant's memorial this week. Uh, this week, Kobe Bryant's memorial was at the Staples Center, and it was star-studded. Uh, it opened with Beyonce, Alicia Keys, Diana Taurasi from the WNBA, um, 
Michael Jordan, Shaquille O'Neal, amongst others, as well as Jimmy Kimmel, um, sort of emceeing the whole thing. Uh, Vanessa Bryant, Kobe Bryant's wife, I don't know how she did it, uh, Cherry. She um, she actually gave a full eulogy for um, Kobe and their daughter, Gianna, Gigi, and it was beautiful. Uh, I guess I'll play a clip of it for you and uh, the Cherry's world listening. Gigi would have most likely become the best player in the WNBA. Kobe was known as a fierce competitor on the basketball court. The greatest of all time, a writer, an Oscar winner, and the Black Mamba. I couldn't see him as a celebrity, nor just an incredible basketball player. He was my sweet husband and the beautiful father of our children. He was mine. He was my everything. They were so full of joy and adventure. God knew they couldn't be on this earth without each other. He had to bring them home to heaven. To I don't know how she got through with that. That was uh, unbelievable. Uh, I, I, I never want to be in her shoes. I never want my wife to be in her shoes. It's amazing how she was able to uh, pull that speech together. It was beautiful, by the way. Uh, on a lighter note, Michael Jordan made a speech uh, showing how close Kobe and himself uh, were. Uh, I'll play a clip of that as well. Let's see what you guys think. What Kobe Bryant was to me was the inspiration that someone truly cared about the way I either I played the game or the way that he wanted to play the game. He wanted to be the best basketball player that he could be. And as I got to know him, I wanted to be the best big brother that I could be. Now he's got me. I'll have to look at another crime meme for the next. I told my wife I wasn't going to do this because I didn't want to see that for the next three or four years. It was great to hear Jordan. You know, Jordan, over the past 20 years, Cherry, I don't know if you noticed this, but he has only made two uh, public speeches. This is just me thinking off the top of my head. And one was his Hall of Fame speech in 2009. And the other, the second is at Kobe Bryant's memorial. Jordan's a pretty, you know, um, he's not on social media. He doesn't, you know, make a lot of public speeches and stuff like that. So for someone like, for Kobe is the only way to get Michael out to speak. And for me, you know, I'm Chicago kids. It's just real, real dope to see that uh, side of Mike. And, uh, but to see him crying like that, but, for him to make fun of his own self, saying that he could be another Jordan meme, the famous, infamous Jordan meme for the next three to four years. And last, here's a clip from Shaquille O'Neal on uh, Kobe Bryant. The day I gained, the day Kobe gained my respect was the guys were complaining. 
I said, Shaq, Kobe's not passing the ball. I said, I'll talk to him. I said, Kobe, there's no I in team. And Kobe said, I know, but there's an in me in that mother. And I think that was the perfect way to end uh, that memorial. All right, Cherry, what do you think about the full Kobe Bryant uh, memorial put together by his wife, Vanessa? I'm going to be honest. Um, we all grieve in different ways. You know, I've known Kobe since he came into the league. And for me, it's a little bit too personal. I didn't watch the memorial. God bless Vanessa for her strength and being able to put on this beautiful memorial for his fans. Um, Cause this was not for his family. This was for his fans. And I think it's very commendable because she went above and beyond what she needed to do as his wife and as a mother. And for that, I commend her for her strength. I have issues with these comments that are all over social media talking about, I wish his mom and his dad would have spoke or his sisters would have spoke. Just the humanization that is lost when it comes to the word celebrity. This is a mom and a dad who just lost their son. Yes, Vanessa was kind enough to get up and speak on her behalf for the family, for her husband and for her child. She did not owe you that. Kobe's parents do not owe you that. His sisters do not owe you that. Um, they don't owe you because of his celebrity. They lost their son. So... To see all the comments is pretty disgusting. I maybe one day will sit down and watch Vanessa's speech. I haven't done it. I feel for her. I pray for her. My heart. My heart hurts for the entire Bryant family and for myself. My friend is gone. It's just, you know, it's too much. Too much. It's overwhelming and too much. Everybody who showed up on his behalf and honored him is a beautiful thing. A lot of my people were there and just have a little bit of respect. You guys, this is a family who lost someone they love. Yeah, I get it. Your fans, you loved him too. It's not the same. I'm sorry. So for his mom and his dad and his sisters and his wife and his children, respect their privacy and leave them alone. Let them mourn in peace, please. They gave you more than they had to. They've gone above and beyond. Appreciate what was given because Kobe gave his life to all of you. Okay, Cherry, uh, this week uh, we lost another one. Uh, Katherine Johnson, one of the NASA's mathematicians depicted in the movie Hidden Figures, died Monday. Uh, she was 101 years old. You know, this is, this is um, weird for me because I know we're going to talk more about um, Black History Month and uh, with our guests later on in the show, but I've never, I never heard of her until like the past four or five years, you know, whenever that movie came out. 
And it's also hit home for me because my daughter just last week um, made a speech at her school for about Black History Month. And this is who she decided to talk about. So, uh, wow, very, I mean, it's not real sad because she's 101, so she was able to live a great life. But, you know, for the most, for most of us, especially me, we just really heard about her, you know, when this movie came out and everything. So, uh, you know, what do you think about this, Catherine, the passing of Catherine Johnson? Miss Johnson, <laughs> thank you so much for honoring the family name. And I'm just so happy that Hidden Figures actually came out while Miss Catherine Johnson was alive so that she was able to see it and we were able to pay homage to her while she was still here because that's what really matters. Not only did we lose Miss Catherine Johnson, we also lost Dee Smith. Dee Smith was a supermodel. She was a restaurateur. Rest in peace, Miss Smith. You... suffered from Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's is something that's very close to my heart. I've sat on the Alzheimer's board for over 25 years and rest easy angels. Thank you for being the beautiful women that you were. Okay. This is going to be good because we have uh, the doctor coming on later in the episode, but on this episode, but uh, health officials warned the spread of the coronavirus in the U S CD officials say Americans should ask about plans for teleschool. With you being um, a homeschool parent, uh, this see what you think about this. Top CDC officials warn of the spread of the coronavirus in the USA, says the national response would follow the 2017 plans for the novel flu pandemic, which triggered school and business closures. CDC officials are encouraging Americans to ask about closures and plans for teleschool in the event of an outbreak. So it sounds like this coronavirus isn't going away no time soon. Uh, I believe they said it's like 57 cases of this in the United States now. Um, yeah, we're going to talk more about the coronavirus with doctor with the doctor Um right after this segment but tell me what do you think about this uh don't look like the coronavirus is going away anytime soon cherry the coronavirus has been around because on the back of the lysol can it says it kills the coronavirus um of course they're trying to play it up because i'm sure they have a vaccine ready to shoot us all with that way that we don't die from the coronavirus i mean polio is not around anymore so what else could they create in a lab without me getting too deep in the cdc looking for me i already homeschool my kids so get with us parents teleschool's gonna be the new thing okay two more stories jerry um jada pinkett smith on her red table talk uh has an interview with snoop and I know we've been talking about this the past two weeks, but she says that when Snoop called Gail King, I think it was a funky dog-headed bitch. Um, I might be wrong on that, but something like a funky dog-headed bitch. Uh, Jada Pinkett says she felt like Snoop was talking to her. And uh, she was highly offended, and she says she expected more from Snoop. This is just a clip. Um, We haven't seen the full interview yet. It hasn't been released. But uh, 
right, what do you think about Jada Pinkett's reaction to Snoop? I think calling Gail King a funky dog-headed bitch. By the way, like we said last week, Snoop has apologized for for calling Gail King a uh, funky dog-headed bitch. I don't want to know why Jada would personalize it. I mean, he didn't say Jada use a funky dog-headed bitch or whatever he called Gail. I don't really have much to say about that. That's like too much gossip for me. Um, but I love Snoop and I love Jada. And I laughed. You know, while we're on this topic of gossiping, I'm not really good at gossiping because it's not what I do. But I do want to touch on people inboxing me about Dwayne Wade and his daughter. First of all, I don't have an opinion on his parenting because I'm too busy trying to be a good parent myself to my daughter. Second of all, people are like, well, he went public. No, the media decided to try to shame his young adolescent child because of what she wore and the fact that she had her fingernails done. Now, I have met Dwayne Wade, do not know him, but have met him on several occasions. He's always been a gentleman and he's always been very kind and nice and he's been the same way every time I've met him. I have known Gabrielle Union for many, many years. We have been acquaintance and I love her. She is one of the happiest, sweetest people I've ever met in my life. So for strangers to inbox me asking me what I think about their child, I think I'm going to cuss you out. First of all, it's a child. Second of all, it's really none of your business. Yes, he did go on Ellen and discuss the situation because he wants the media to leave his child alone. The media is the one who tried to out his daughter. Okay, so... All your opinions on how someone should be parenting is a direct reflection of your own parenting. Worry about your own children and what's going on in your house. Whatever's going on in Dwayne Wade's house with his eldest daughter has nothing to do with any of you guys. It doesn't pay your bills. It's not going to help you sleep better tonight and it's not going to make you a better person. So why are you gossiping again about somebody's child? How would you feel if somebody gossiped about your child? I don't care if the child is gay, if the child is straight, if the child is transgender, if the child is a transsexual. I don't care as long as the child is safe. As long as the child is safe and happy that's really all that matters everybody wants to make such a big deal about bullying and we're all supposed to be so sympathetic about bullying children except for when you're bullying celebrities children then oh that just goes out the window so don't inbox me and want to gossip with me about any celebrity whether I know them or not I don't know you either and I ain't with the gossip it don't pay no bills for me. Okay, moving right along. Uh, Harvey Weinstein trial verdict. Guilty on two charges. Acquitted on others. Uh, Bill Cosby's publicist slams Harvey Weinstein verdict. Claiming if the Me Too movement isn't just about Becky, I would challenge Me Too and ask them to go back 400 years. Shortly after Weinstein was convicted, the publicist took to the comedian social. To, the publicist for Bill Cosby took to Bill's 
uh, social media accounts to share his thoughts, marking it's a sad day in the American justice system, judicial system, for rich men with power. Uh, he says this is not shocking because these jurors were not sequestered, which gave them access to media coverage and the sentiments of public opinion. Cosby publicist Andrew Wyatt said of the seven men and five women on the jury, there's no way you would have anyone believe that Mr. Weinstein was going to receive a fair and impartial trial. Also, this judge showed that he wanted a conviction by sending the jurors back to deliberate after they were hung on many of the counts. Yeah, this is this is weird for me. Tell me what you think about this, Jerry. Harvey Weinstein's a pig. Bill Cosby's a pig. Pigs, of course, will defend pigs. Harvey Weinstein's pathetic. Him and that rocker. Oh, he went to the hospital for chest pains. Am I supposed to feel bad for him? Because I don't. I have a hard time... Um, being compassionate to perverts. So good. I'm glad he was found guilty. Now I'm waiting to see doesn't Harvey have more trials in LA? I hope those are found guilty as well. Um, unfortunately, he was not found guilty on all counts. If he is guilty on all counts, even the ones that he was not found guilty on, may he reap what he sowed. Karma's a bitch. Okay, last story, and uh, I'm going to go out on a limb, Cherry. I didn't talk to you about this ahead of time, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say you didn't watch the boxing match Saturday, this past Saturday, between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. Uh, Well, I'm going to tell you that Tyson Fury uh, beat the brakes off of Deontay Wilder and uh, actually tasted his blood and one of the strangest things I've ever seen in a fight and I like fights Uh, I'm not going to ask you your opinion on the fight I am going to ask you have you ever been to a Vegas fight or been to a fight uh, a big fight similar to this uh, ever have you ever been and maybe you could tell a story story about it uh, so we can end this new segment on a lighter note Uh, yeah no Courtney, you know your girl. I sure did not watch the fight, but my homeboy Phil did call me from a sports bar while he was about to watch it, and I was more interested in what kind of wings he ordered. But yeah, I have been to a Vegas fight. I've been to a few Vegas fights. My brother is mailman, and he happens to be a huge boxing fan, and then I am friends with the boxing family. Um... So they make sure that anytime I want to go to the fights, I get a good seat. In fact, I had such a good seat one time. I was sitting right next to Michael Jordan. Right in front of us was um, Wesley Snipes. And behind me was Diana Ross's beautiful daughter. Um, So yeah, I've been to some fights. Don't really have great stories to tell. I could tell you about the rum jungle, though. Right in the Mandalay Bay in Vegas. (laughs) No, okay, that's for another time. But I mean, it was the same trip that had to do with the fight. But let me shut up.
This is Cherry's World. If you are a faithful listener of Cherry's World podcast, but you want more or you want to see the shows first, please join us and subscribe to our page on Patreon. Not only will you get to see the shows, but you'll get to see them before anybody else. Fever Magazine, a sexy yet sophisticated lifestyle magazine for the modern man and woman. Fever Magazine is available on newsstands nationwide and Amazon Kindle. Subscribe now for VIP access and rewards at FeverMagazine.com. Welcome to Cherry's World. Okay, I don't want to say it. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. No problem, no problem. It's always good to to, educate people about what's going on in the world and uh, have people kind of catch up to everything that's going on in the world. It's scary out there this past month. This is not part of the interview, but how old are you? I just want to know. Oh, I'm 28. Wow. Congratulations. How long you been a doctor? Uh, About three years now. What? Damn. <laughs> well, we want to use that in the interview. Courtney, can we use that? Yeah, it's up to him. I just, wow. <laughs> you know what? I do want to ask you a question that we didn't write down. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I want to talk about this new, they say it's a new virus, but I found it on the back of the Lysol can. Okay. What is the, what's, you say you found it on the back of the Lysol can? Yes, the coronavirus. The coronavirus. Oh yeah, the Wuhan coronavirus. So the, yes. So coronavirus is actually the common cold. The actual coronavirus is actually the common cold. Rhinovirus, coronavirus, but this is a novel coronavirus. Uh, it's it's essentially another uh, mutation that happened with coronavirus, more related to SARS. You remember SARS back then killed a yes. lot of people in Asia, in China. Yes. So it's very related to SARS in terms of um, genetic-wise. There's a good correlation. Essentially, we believe that initially this new novel virus started off from animals to animals and then became animals to human and then human to human. There's over 11,000 cases already reported. Um, And the thing is, compared to SARS, which killed about 10% of the people that got the infection, and Ebola that killed 50% of people who got Ebola, this only has only killed about 3% of the people that have got it. So, you know, there's a state of emergency in terms of panicking and people are panicking more than uh, they should because of this big fear that this, you know, is spread into the U.S. and all that. But a lot of people that have actually, you know, died from this, a lot of them are immunocompromised, meaning their immune system isn't as strong. You know, elderly people or people who are uh, susceptible to more diseases because they're not as strong. A lot of people that actually get the virus get better over time. And normally in about two, the, the incubation period is about two to 14 days. So from anywhere from two days, you can start showing symptoms to 14 days, you can start showing symptoms. So during that time, when somebody is confirmed to possibly have it, they need to be on isolation from aerosol, you know, to contact, not, essentially like droplet precautions, which will prevent them, you know, mask, you know, cover the eyes, just a few things to kind of keep themselves from spreading it to other people. Uh, so far, six cases have been confirmed in the U.S. according to the CDC, um, but that's the confirmed. There's a few tests that have done, about 250 tests that have been done. A few are pending, but six people have been confirmed to have the virus. And specifically, it's from Wuhan, China, in the Hubei province. That's where the virus has started from. So I shouldn't be panicking right now because I have I wouldn't, I wouldn't say you should be panicking. I would be more um, worried about 
just our regular flu, <laughs> you know, so we don't, that should be our focus because people that are actually getting it aren't, like I said, 3% are actually, only 3% out of 11, that's 11,000 people, 258 confirmed deaths out of 11,000 people. Those numbers are relatively small, but no, when it comes to death, no number is small. You know, there's a lot, right? But from, from, from looking at it from that perspective versus Ebola versus SARS, um, this is not doing as much damage as any of those ones are. So you spoke about the flu. Um, how do you, are you, you reckon, well, I mean, how do you feel about the flu shots? Um, the flu shots, I believe, uh, so the flu shots do protect you from certain strains. Uh, I do always recommend people to get the flu. Uh, there are studies that have shown that even the flu vaccine, apart from just preventing you from getting the flu, there is benefit for cardiovascular health, getting the flu shot. So uh, people are always scared about, oh, I've never been sick in my life. You know, you know, I have patients that come in, I try to offer them a flu shot and they will deny getting the flu shot, say, I've never had the flu before. Uh, but like I said, the, the effectiveness of some of the flu vaccines the past couple of years hasn't been that great, meaning that the, the strain that was predicted to be out wasn't necessarily the one that was out. So a lot of times that's the biggest problem you can say you have with the flu shot. But I, vaccines are something I always recommend. Do you know there's an Ebola vaccine that came out in 2019 of December? No, I didn't know vaccine, And it's FDA approved in December of 2019. So the most scariest and the craziest things that we were panicking, science and technology is allowing us to, to tackle those things that cause panic um, over time. So the fact that there's an Ebola vaccine, you know, remember how Ebola was a crazy thing, Zika virus, all those things, you know, these were things that kept people, you know, stuck in airports for hours because there was suspicion that they had Ebola or they had um, Zika, but you know, these things are now better under control. And I think this coronavirus will also get there too. Can I, can I, can I just follow up? What, uh, what, can you tell me what, can you tell people what exactly is in the flu vaccine or what's in the vaccine? Uh, so the vaccines, um, they come with, essentially they expose your body to, they, they create an immunological response. It's like giving your body uh, a little bit of the virus to, to create an immunological response. Meaning that it's like I'm exposing you to a strain that I suspect is going to be the main strain. But, you know, a lot of people will have, you know, certain symptoms after they get the flu vaccine. They might have a runny nose or sore throat right after they get a vaccine. But the essential thing is introducing your body to, to this particular, you know, part of the virus. So that your body has an immunological response. So that when you, you do get the virus, your body will be able to fight it. Mm. Like I said, the, effectivity, the, the, the effectiveness of vaccines vary from year to year because we try to predict, because viruses mutate through a few things called genetic shift and genetic drift. So these things allow uh, viruses to mutate and essentially sometimes we try to predict the, what strain will be out there, but we can't always be, we're not always right with the strain that we, we think it's gonna be out there. So I do recommend people to get a vaccine, not only for just the flu, but for cardiovascular health. Okay. Mm, I want to take it back a little bit. How old were you when you knew that you wanted to be a doctor? Uh, yeah, that's a good one. Um, I actually was, uh, I started off uh, engineering. Uh, I, uh, my dad is an engineer, so uh, I was going to do that also. Uh, but I, my, uh, my little brother was diagnosed with sensor neural deafness uh, when I, he was young. And uh, I remember during the time he was getting ready to, uh, he had a few people he was working with, you know, social workers. And at that time he was preparing to get a cochlear implant and he eventually didn't get it because he chose not to. But 
he, um, I started getting more involved in medicine. I started to become more fascinated. My mom is a nurse. She's actually uh, finishing up a nurse practitioner right now. I think she finishes in May. Uh, but uh, my, my family has kind of been like good support system for me. And uh, they've been very helpful and supported, you know, everything. But I knew from then on that I was very uh, moved by medicine and the effect that medicine has on people's lives. Um, I'm a, my last year of residency, I'm going to be a gastroenterologist, which is, I don't know if you guys know gastroenterology, so essentially colonoscopies, endoscopies. Uh, that's my specialty that I'm going into at uh, Georgetown uh, in DC. So, um, you know, there's a, there's, there's a lot of black people in medicine now because people are, are taking opportunity of some of these things that we didn't think, a lot of people didn't think some of these things were possible. I think opportunities that, um, uh, that are available in this country, sometimes you're, you're, there's a fear and there's a stigma of not being able to, to accomplish things or there's this, you know, there's this, I, I think a lot of times I meet people and I tell them, you know, this is what I did and this is how I did it. And there's this like, really, how did you, you know, how did you, how did you get here? You know, like, how did you, what, what was your com biggest conviction? I think the, the biggest thing is having support for people who actually believe in you. But you got to believe in yourself first, right? If you don't believe in yourself, nobody else is going to believe in you. Absolutely. But, uh, I think that that's uh, what brought me to medicine. I, I love the the path of the pathophysiology of it, meaning like there's a lot of different moving parts in medicine that makes it constantly interesting that you never be bored. And the look on a family's face when you may, you you change your lives, it's, it's not the, the most priceless feeling you can ever have when you come and tell a family member like their mother that was gonna die didn't die, or the you know it, it, it it's it's priceless. Nobody you would not be able to understand the feeling until you actually feel that. That, that joy that comes to patients' face when they see, when they get that relief hearing from the doctor, especially when you're black, especially if it's black, especially when you're talking to other black people, I think they are very moved by the fact that my doctor is black, right? Yes, and it's a big deal. I definitely do get a lot of good positive feedback, but then sometimes I do get negative feedback from my own black people, which is kind of messed up sometimes. You know, sometimes they're like, are you sure you're a doctor? You know, I get that, you know, that. Yeah, of course, of course, because there's a lot of doubt. Like, how is this young man telling me what to do, you know? And, wow. and a lot of times you have to deal with that. You have to deal with the fact that your own people don't believe that this is what you are, though you see it on my, you see my badge, right? You see my badge. A lot of times I do get people that look at my badge like two or three times just to confirm that this is what they saw. And it's our own people that do that. This is the funniest thing. It's our own people that just, they want to confirm like this is real. That's and, helpful. Yeah, but I, mean, I, I would look at you twice too, and then I turn around and be like, "Oh yeah, brother." Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, that's just the way things are. You know, from other races, sometimes it's, I get you know similar reactions. But the one thing that always changes over time is people are always moved by how confident you are. The moment they they can they can feel the confidence that you have, then they are more at rest and they're more at peace, and then they believe, okay, this person is my doctor. Uh, it just takes time, and I feel like it's a struggle that younger doctors have a lot of friends who are in medicine, who are friends of my, who are my age, who are who, have, who deal with the same problems. So I think um, it's uh, it's surprising that our own people would be the ones that would do that, but they do. They definitely do. I have a question. So colon yeah. cancer killed my grandfather. Mm -hmm. um, my grandmother also had polyps, but they were caught early and they were mm -hmm. removed. She didn't need chemo or radiation or anything. Yeah. Knowing that cancer is a disease that plagues my family, what kind of advice would you give me? And what preventative measures can I take to make sure that my colonoscopies when I'm 50 come back okay? 
I mean, there like there's new studies that are showing that doing colonoscopies on African Americans at the age of 45 might be better than 50. Um, risk factors. The biggest thing you want to look at with risk factors is if you have a family member, that, like a like a first degree relative that has colon cancer. Um, the guidelines recommend that you get a colonoscopy 10 years before their diagnosis was made, or the age of 40, whichever one comes first. Let's say your grandfather was diagnosed with colon cancer at 45. They recommend that you get your colonoscopy by 35. Oh, he was 60. So, so if he was 60, that yeah. is, you know, then you would 50 is fine. You know, 50 would be fine. 45 to 50 would be a good age. Uh, you know, it's you know the the new one, the the, the younger younger um, younger population that get colon cancer is the one that you always have to worry about, especially if you're like 25, 26, 30 something years old. Uh, there's guidelines that Americans really need to be aware of. Um, they're called USPSF guidelines. They're all online. They're essentially guidelines that most doctors follow when it comes to screening. Um, a few of them I can actually go into. Um, the uh, diabetes screening, breast cancer screening, colorectal screening, uh, osteoporosis screening, cervical what's, cancer screening. Oh. What's colorectal screening? Colorectal, which is colon cancer. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. Because colon and rectum, you know, you can get rectal cancer and colon cancer. They're essentially, they're combined together, they call it colorectal cancer. Oh, okay. So the guidelines is that you start screening. At, right now, the current guideline says between 50 to 75 for screening for colon cancer. That means you get it, depending on if they found, the, the, depending on if the polyps that were found determines how early your next one will be. So if they found uh, a polyp that was suspicious, you might have to get it done in three years or five years uh, rather than 10 years. But if there was nothing found, then they recommend that you do another one in 10 years. And uh, diabetes screening, a lot of, you know, especially a lot of African-Americans and, you know, and foreigners, you know, Hispanics, so high prevalence for diabetes um, so their recommendation is adults age 40 to 70 who are overweight or obese should um, be offered, you know, a glucose test uh, just to see if they're diabetic, especially when they're overweight and obese, um, 40 to 70. Uh, breast cancer screening, there's guidelines that recommend that um, every, one to two, every one to two years for women at the age of 40 and above should get screening mammography. Uh, that's another one for breast cancer. Uh, osteoporosis uh, for postmenopausal women uh, younger than 65. You know, uh, we 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 look at age 65. Um, osteoporosis screening for postmenopausal women younger than 65 uh, at increased risk of osteoporosis. So there's a few other t um, guidelines when it comes to screening cervical cancer. We already know about you know Pap smears and you know HPV testing and all that. Um, Mine just came back good. <laughs> I had a normal pap. <laughs> I do have, um, my blood work says that I'm anemic. Okay. Known that I'm anemic. I have a question. I have a problem taking iron. Okay. It makes me starve. Like, like not, not hungry, like starve. Like I will eat two big pizzas by myself mm. and not be full. Interesting. Interesting. What can I do instead of taking iron? Um, you know, we get iron from our diet, but a lot of times if our diet is not enough, we need to take the iron supplementation. Um, we just have to try it. Maybe, uh, you see, uh, your primary care doctor and let them know how your side effects are. They can give you another formulation for iron that might, you might be able to tolerate better. Another side effect of iron is constipation. Iron can make you constipated. Uh, when you take iron supplementation, you can be constipated also. So that's something to also worry about. 
just most, what I need. Yeah, just I would just recommend seeing your PCP and making sure that they give you an alternative to what other iron supplementation you can use. Because there's other form of, uh, uh, formulations that you can use that you might be able to tolerate better. Okay, I was going to say, because I do eat leafy green vegetables. I don't eat a ton of meat. Yeah, I mean, you get a good amount of iron from your vegetables and certain things, but if you're iron deficient, a lot of times, uh, a lot of women uh, who are menstruating and all that, you know, they are more prone to, to because of, you know, their cycle to be anemic. So we have to sometimes supplement the iron uh, for them so they can, their blood count will be good and stable. Uh, for someone like me, yeah. um, my, my father died at the age of 36. His dad died right before 70. Um, so my grandmother on my mom's side, she's still alive, thank God, but she had colon cancer in 2012 and she's 90 now. So that was what, eight years ago. So that would that'll make her what, 82, I believe. She was it? Yes. They, yeah. But they, um, she didn't have to go through chemo or none. They found it. They caught it, I guess you could say. So that she had to do, she just had to get the surgery to get it removed. I mean, the fact that she developed colon cancer so, so late in life, I would just, you know, I would, I would just follow regular guidelines and 45 uh, or 50. Um, but like, well, but my dad died so early, we don't know what what happened. We don't know what he could have. Were you guys able to fix? So, the, was there an autopsy done that that that, that showed? Uh, he had a brain aneurysm. Okay. So, um, did he? Um, so, brain aneurysms can be caused by many different things, uh, from trauma, uh, uh, cause uh, aneurysms to rupture. Um, there are certain genetic diseases that lead to you being more prone to for having aneurysms. Uh, there is uh, um, so amyloidosis. There's so many things that could cause the aneurysm. Unless I know what was the you know what, sir? It might have been a it might have been in the stomach too. I can't remember, but it was an aneurysm. I can't. It was an aneurysm. Okay. Yeah, you would have to because unless he had a sudden cardiac death, which is another thing where like uh, you hear about young patients or young young men, you know, falling falling to their death. My, my, dad, my dad was a heavy smoker and a heavy drinker. And my grandmother always told me that my dad didn't take his medication. That's He died at work, uh, had an aneurysm at work. Yeah. But like yeah. I said, he was 36. Um, so I just wonder, like, we don't know what health conditions he could have had later on. So I don't yeah. know what to check for for myself. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I would recommend, you know, the, the regular screenings and following up with the primary care doctor every time uh, and making sure you follow just uh, you know, screening guidelines that, you know, for, for your age. And um, as long as you follow those guidelines, for the most part, those screening tests are, are preventative measures so you don't end up having to deal with problems later on. Right. Um, unless we know the actual cause of death, it's difficult to say, you know, there's different arrhythmias that can cause people to just fall dead, you know, and you, those are hereditary. And those ones you always have to worry about because then you have to screen family members uh, for those causes. But you know, if there's drinking involved, you know, uh, there's so many things that could have happened that could have led to 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 him dying so early. And it's hard to really say unless we have like something to go back and say, okay, this is what causes death. You understand what I mean? Right. Yeah. What are your thoughts on natural medicine? Um, I I am not a naturopathic doctor. It's hard for me to speak very, you know, I I, I only I only speak about what I know. Uh, a lot of patients that uh, want to take certain medications, herbal medications or herbal supplements along with their medication. Certain medications do have drug interaction with their actual medications, like 
Some people do ginseng and ginkgo. Uh, ginkgo caloba. Yeah, uh, those medications do have interactions with other medications, other prescription medications. Uh, we just have to be careful that there is no interaction uh, that is concerning. But a lot of times we allow patients to to use herbal supplements if that's what they want to do. I mean, we're we we make we make recommendations on what patients should do. I can't force your hand, you know. If you don't, if you want to, if you say you want to try herbal medications or or other options, then that's fine. You know, that's that's up to you. Just understand that some of the reactions and some of the uh, adverse reactions that come with certain medications should be watched out for, and they should see a naturopathic doctor because there are people who actually go to school for four years uh, who learn naturopathic medicine and use um, those. Um, herbal supplements um, for their patients. As I say, I didn't hear about acid reflux growing up, but I know acid reflux is like a big thing that I hear on TV now with the commercials and stuff. Do you think that it can be cured with bromelain? Uh, you know, so bromelain, although it's acidic, uh, believe that it has some alkalizing effect uh, when you, uh, as you digest it. So people say it's beneficial to acid reflux because essentially acid reflux is acid being refluxed back. So if you, if you take something that, that's an alkalizing agent that would neutralize the acid a little bit, then you'll probably get relief. But the best medications for acid reflux, it would be like a PPI or H2 blocker. We can pick them over the counter like Nexium, Renitidine, those medications. Uh, if you have really bad reflux, uh, a lot of times people get really, really bad reflux and they have to see a gastroenterologist, which would be me. Um, and then they would, uh, I would start them on a PPI, which would be a, a good medication to help. Essentially, the PPIs will work by, by affecting the acid receptors and suppressing the acid production. So that's um, essentially what, the, what will be the treatment. I recommend those two medications for acid reflux. There's so many other things that people can use, but those two medications have been proven to, to reduce the effect of, uh, or the, the, the effects of acid reflux disease. How, um, how did universal health care, also known as Obamacare, how did it really affect um, you, the doctor? And the, I heard my sister works for um, Blue Cross Blue Shield, and she said it was a mess at first. It's still kind of a mess. And, um, and then for what's happening now with them actually taking parts of Obamacare away, but then leaving some, how does that really affect? I mean, the, without being political, because I know yeah. one I mean, side says one thing. Uh, I mean, the, the entire, uh, with the ACA Act or the Obamacare, uh, essentially was to bridge some of the, the gaps, the, 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 the socioeconomic gaps between right. people who, uh, who were making below $25,000 a year and households where income was like more than $75,000 a year. Right. Um, there was benefit to the people who now had better access to insurance, uh, who some people who didn't even, who weren't even, they didn't have insurance at all. And the marketplace gave them the option to purchase their own insurance. Um, for, um, for some healthcare providers, obviously everyone has their opinion on how they feel about um, Obamacare or the ACA. Um, but the purpose of the ACA was for the population not the doctors, not big pharma, you know, it's for the people, right? Essentially to give them better access to healthcare. Um, uh, if that is something that, um, you know, we can provide quality care to people that would not be able to afford healthcare otherwise, um, I'm all for it, you know? So uh, it's, it's hard to say. I don't really speak political when it comes to medicine, uh, but 
if it benefits my patient, I'm okay with it. <laughs> so, well, well, politics aside, I just remember um, I had I had a torn a, lig- a ligament, and I was yeah. going through therapy in my hand, and and, and the guy was just. He's like, yeah, you know, I, I voted for him, but it's really just a mess. And, I, and he was, and I really don't understand what he was talking about, but he was, all he was doing was the doctor that was just checking my hand. And he was just complaining about how the insurance is messing his business up. And I didn't, I just didn't understand why. I mean, there obviously will be some effect on reimbursements. Ah. That's probably what it would be. Um, so um, you're used to living in a certain um gap or you know getting a certain amount of reimbursement anything that would affect that 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 for you obviously it'll piss you off too right so so i think that's where that comes from uh but um if reimbursements are affected because of you know now everybody can afford health care to a certain extent um then anybody will be you know not so open to the idea let's just say that my last follow-up question to that is now in this administration they took they took away the uh, mandate, mm-hmm. so where you don't I think I think you don't have to buy it or something like that. Mm-hmm. How does that if, does that really make? I know it makes the insurance go higher in some cases, but how does that affect like you as far as you know your business? Like does it affect the way you get paid with them messing around? You know, different presidents messing around with it. How does that affect you financially? Yeah, it, it definitely affects the way I get reimbursed. Uh, you know, over, I mean, obviously it would affect me, but uh, like I said, you know, when it comes to the big guys making the big political decisions, you know, I'm, you know, I'm whatever, whatever is best for the country is, you know, is always what's best, but, you know, I'll have to deal with the repercussions of, of that as a physician. Um, and, you know, it's not something that, you know, apart from voting, it's the only power that we have as Americans to make an impact. Um, we, 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 you know, we go out there, we make, we vote, we make our, we, we kind of put ourselves out there and whatever the people choose, whoever the people choose, um, we have to go with whatever policies they implement. Dr. Umarin, if people are out there watching you and they would like to come and visit your practice, how can they find you? So because I, I'm in residency, uh, I mainly work in a hospital. So uh, I'm dealing with more patients that come in acutely. So uh, I hope they don't come see me, <laughs> but uh, the, um, I, you know, I do work in clinics at times, but you know, I work under somebody else's practice. Um, and as long as I'm doing my training for the next three more years, um, um, then after that, I'll be able to, when I open my own practice, I'll be able to take more people and all that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a, there's, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of opportunities for people to, to reach to connect with primary care. I think everybody needs to be, linked up with a primary care physician. I think it's very, very important for preventative medicine. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here, especially Black History Month. It is a big deal for me. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Erico. Thank you so much. It's a big deal, baby. It was, it was, it was, it was awesome talking to both of you. Yeah, and, and I hope I, I wasn't trying to get too political. I just, oh, no, I, just no, okay. I actually feel kind of bad because it's like, you know, last year the, the insurance was set up one way and then now this year, so it's like, it's just so crazy. So I just, yeah, it's, it's all over the place. You know, yeah. And I know how it affects the, 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 like us, but how does it affect you guys? You know, that's kind of screwed up. Thank you. This is, this is personal to me. I have a little five-year-old who says that she wants to go to medical school. Hey. She wants to be a doctor. 
I'm praying that she sticks with it. Yes, yes. You know, just like you as a parent have to be their biggest advocate and make sure they get um, all the things that they need to make this dream happen. Um, if we don't support their dreams, they won't be able to have the tools they need. So sometimes as parents, you got to be, you have to take her to the, to, to this extracurricular classes, you know, have her exposed, do whatever you have to do to make sure she has equal opportunities because um, the world has a way of killing your dreams. So you have to be very careful about that. This is Cherry's World. If you haven't yet, you need to check out Shy Figaro's Couture. It boasts with a distinctive line of contemporary apparel and accessories that represents beauty, sex appeal, with a daring look that orchestrates the message of confidence. Shy Figaro Couture is all about uniqueness. They create an extreme passion for fashion, and each piece in their collection has a unique story of its own. You know what makes them unique is that they focus on the distinctive and trendy silhouette that influences the way people dress. If you want to know where I got my secret pieces in my closet, make sure you check out shyfigaro.com. Welcome to Cherry's World. Okay, so I'm just going to jump right into it, ladies, because I've already recorded your intro before you got here. And Courtney and I were just shooting the shit. (laughs) I am so excited about Legacy Kids for a few different reasons. One, I was never taught any black history growing up in school. And I actually had to go and study myself once I graduated. Are they gone? No, they're still there. Oh, we're still here. Oh, okay. Until I'm a homeschool mama. So you guys have put together these great subscription boxes, which makes homeschooling easy. How did you come up with the idea for Legacy Kids? You know, Sherry, it's this is Lydia, by the way. Nice to meet you, and thank you for having us on. Um, well, you and I have a very, very similar story then. I, as well, was not taught a lot of my own history, um, especially African history, until I went to college, and I had to um, minor in it to yes. get um, some information about my own history. And so, obviously, when I had kids, I didn't want that for them. Um, So we did decide to homeschool and I was completely shocked at the box curriculum and how it was very encompassing of everything except African history and uh, African American history as well. And so I began to piecemeal things and my sister, a, a fellow homeschooler as well, she was doing the same thing. And so one day we were on the phone, we were having a discussion and we were just talking about our frustrations about how this is just so time consuming, but we were doing it because we wanted to impart that part of our history to our children. And we just sympathized with other parents who may not have the time or the resources to um, create a curriculum. So that's how Legacy Kit was birthed is to give others what we wanted to give our own children. Amazing. And you guys have done such a great job. Like. For for real, it's like, you know, when I started homeschooling, I wasn't really sure where or how to start. So I kind of leaned on workbooks, you know, but as I go through and you buy stuff 
you buy individual books, you kind of have to create your own curriculum if you're looking for something when it comes to Black history. But now you guys have the books and the workbooks to go along with the books, which I feel is a total gem. Thank you. You know, Sherry, that what you said about, you know, not having enough, you know, resources about African-American history is so common. And, you know, many parents, they didn't learn much about it when they were growing up, like you said. And so, you know, we want our kids to be a family journey so that, it, you know, everyone can just get involved and learn about the history as well. What I will say sets you guys apart from a lot of the other Black history curriculums out there. Not saying one is better than the other because I'm not trying to go there or compete. But for me, I was never really a school girl. You know, I was kind of always turned off by school. So when I purchased some of the other Black history curriculums, they're written more like a teacher's guide. So the information is there. But I still got to do a lot of work. And for me, it was just <laughs> overwhelming because I'm not a teacher. So how you do know, you know, Sherry, that. Oh, please continue. I'm sorry. Well, I was like just saying that it's absolutely what we found. Um, we didn't want to bore our children their elementary age. And so we wanted to, you know, teach them about the civilizations and the impact and, you know, introduce them and develop a little foundation, you know, for the African-American part of it as well. But they were getting bored. And so we had to encompass the hands-on projects to keep their attention. And the projects also relate directly to the history that they're learning. So they retain more of it. Right. And it's not such a you know, it's not like pulling your kids' teeth to try to get them to sit down. They actually look forward to it because they know they get that treat at the end or whenever parents want to encompass that in their curriculum, they get that treat of that hands-on fun projects. And the parents don't have to buy anything extra. It's just all in the kit. So that was the um, idea that we had for parents like you and me to just have one kit to get everything in there. Oh, and I mean, you guys even send glue. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's not even like, a, you know what, I have all this ready, but oh, we're gonna have to do this tomorrow. No, baby, let me just reach back in the box because everything you need is seriously right there. Yeah, that's the, that was the goal. You know, we realized no matter how well we plan for the lessons, you know, it, let's be real, it just cannot, you know, we only have Black History supposedly celebrated, you know, in one month. So, that was leading to where we had to pick and choose and then we had to um or we had to ignore some and we didn't want to ignore anything about our history you know we wanted to be year-round not just for you know february black history month because a month is a very short time and it limits us you know to certain things and our culture is um you know deserves you know, a year round all the time, 365. I agree completely. My daughter's only five years old, but Aww. she's in the third grade. And one of the things that I said I was going to do was teach her her own history before I incorporated other history into her curriculum, because I want her to have the same self-esteem that other children do growing up. You know, they're taught, white history is taught first. Let's just put it out there. 
there's <laughs> nothing that's inclusive for Mexican Americans. There's nothing inclusive for the Asian Americans. There's nothing inclusive for the natives and we're damn sure left out. Right, so right. I've decided the past three years, all I've taught is black history and native American history because it's her history. So for- I love that approach. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, stati- we, the statistics show that the children, when they know about their history, they, their uh, self-esteem is greater, they, um, they're well-adjusted, and they, can, they feel that they can overcome, you know, any challenge. So that's, that's the reason why it's very important for them to also, you know, learn at a young age. How, um, how far do you all go up as far as... Um as far as like history, as far as black history, like, you know, if you, when you're in school, uh, well, at least when I was in school in the eighties and the nineties, they like kind of stopped right before the sixties. So that was just, and that wasn't even black history. For the moment. Well, you know what? I take that back. Black history. I think they stopped at Martin Luther King. So, right. so um, how far do you all go? Well, how we current, um, how so current are there are two. Sure. So there are two different aspects. Um, Courtney. So one is African history. That's we. So we wanted to focus on those. So with African history, we go all the way back to um, the cradle of mankind, civilizations, um, kingdoms, empires, just those rich times of African history in Africa. And we take the country that we're doing for that particular month, and we go from the beginning of their civilization, well, till about the 1980s, you know, um, as in current times. So it's, it's, it's a brief overview, but it's a, it's a wonderful introduction to the way things have progressed in Africa, in those countries. Um, and for African American history, we kind of go through different periods and we, we center on individuals in time periods of history. So we even have Obama, President Obama in there. So it's just a mixture of rich history and we have levels, two levels. One level is for the elementary, the younger ages, and the older levels that can handle a little bit more, you know, topics, um, then we have that level as well. Nice, nice. I have a question. Um, for the parents who are a little bit hesitant to order because they're not sure what they're gonna get. Everything is kind of like a blind surprise box, which my daughter is really into, thanks to LOL dolls and all the other surprises. Right. Um, how can you reassure them that everything won't be a, like a, a Rosa Parks repeat or a, a Malcolm X or Martin Luther King? Like how, how do you reassure them that they're gonna get more than the surface? That's a good question, Sherry. In fact, we um, did have that question. And so we went ahead and we listed out the different boxes um, on the website because people wanted to, if they were talking about a certain topic, they wanted to have a certain box delivered. And so you can pick and choose which box you want delivered based on your topics and that you're homeschooling. Because I know in my homeschool, um, days, we like to focus and center around certain parts of history. And so we're able to list those online so that people can come in and, and, and say, well, you know, I really want, you know, President Obama, or I want to talk about Ethiopia this time, so they can come in and, and on the website and choose those kits that they want. That's beautiful. And I see these add-ons. Okay, so like, 
I love workbooks. <laughs> and so I see that if you are a subscriber that you can order new add-ons. Can you tell us about the, that? Because that's like a new feature, right? Right. Um, so that's basically for our kids and families with multiple kids. Um, we felt as though, you know, if you have five kids, you, you, you wouldn't want to order five kits. And so what we have, we have add-ons. If you want to order additional workbooks, you can do that. Um, we even allow people to make copies of them. We just feel as though the history is so rich and so um, dazzling that we just want to make it available. And people can also order extra projects. So we do have two projects um, in each kit. One focuses on African history and the other project focuses on African-American history. And so if they have multiple kids and they want additional projects for that extra hands-on for each kid, then they can order that as well. I would like to know uh, from actually all three of you, uh, we're early in the uh, quote unquote Black History Month and it's actually been kind of, kind of a rough start. What are you all opinion on, you know, early Black History Month. I mean, we got Snoop, we got we got Gail and Lisa Leslie, Snoop. We got a whole bunch of stuff going on in quote unquote Black History Month. How do you all feel about that? You want me well, to? I feel as though, oh, go ahead. No, no, go for it. Well, I, I just think that we as a people should empower each other. Um, there are not any other culture that I'm aware of that puts each other down sometimes the way we do, or sometimes it may appear that way. Um, I think we should always just be lifting each other up and empower, empowering one another, teaching the next generation how to treat one another, how to speak about one another. And um, because if we don't take it upon ourselves as a culture to uplift ourselves. No one else is going to do that. It has to start in our own communities. And so I just um, think that I'm teaching my children to do that. And um, I would like to see more of that. I agree. Um, for me, this is Cherry. <coughs> I think one of the greatest things that have come out of 50 Cent, Snoop Dogg, Gail King, Cherry Johnson, because I let her have it too, is that we have a conversation that started. And anytime mm -hmm. we're communicating, it's a good thing. Now we just need to fight to try to get us all on the same page and realize that we all are on the same team. And sometimes when we speak, we need to realize that our words are not just for self. It is for the greater good of all. And I think as long as we can all get on the same page as moving our people forward for the greater good of all, then we've accomplished something this month. I totally agree. Absolutely. And for me, you know, I feel like we should, you know, allow the children, you know, to experience the beauty of black history, not just the difficult parts, you know, and there's a lot of things that's going on with the world today. And so we, we, like you guys said, we all just need to, um, start make a start somewhere and I think that you know it's getting better but we got work to do you know we do we have a lot of work to do and so I feel like if we're honest with our children about what's going on about you know what's going on in society 
you know, um, that they too can pave the way for the next generation and leave that legacy. Because I think that's what's important. I think that's what Legacy Kids is about, is a legacy, you know. And so once we instill those that knowledge in them, then they will be able to do it time after time with theirs. How uh, how celebrity-oriented are, are is Legacy Kids? I mean, is, do you all talk about... Uh, the celebrities a lot in, in there, or, or is, do they play a big part? Or well, any part? Well, it, de- mm-hmm. it, it it sort of depends on the topic at hand. You know, um, we try not to focus too much on celebrities. We try to kind of focus on, you know, the history. Mm-hmm. But um, nothing is really, you know, mainly like an off-topic thing because if it's lined up with, you know, our values, then we will discuss it. What about sports? Like you gotta be on. I'm sorry. Yeah, on our social media pages, you know, uh, we try to highlight, you know, just great accomplishes accomplishments that, um, you know, our African American and African um, people are doing. So you'll see that on our um, social media pages where we highlight their accomplishes accomplishments and things of that nature. I love it. Well, so what is next for Legacy Kids? I think with Legacy Kids, we're going to try and encompass some other, um, as you alluded to earlier, Sherry, um, some other um, cultures as well. Um, we have been asked multiple times to add on to the curriculum that we already have for Africa and African Americans. And so we're looking at doing that and creating some digital online classes because we're in the age where if you can put your kid in front of that phone and get some history in them, then that's amazing. <laughs> so we're looking to that as well. So there's more to come and um, just be on the outlook for that. Can I ask personally, where are you ladies from? Texas. <laughs> hey, go ahead, Texas ladies. Now I appreciate that. I'm a Texas girl at heart. Um, but I do notice there's a difference of education factor depending upon where you come from and who has been taught what, like the East Coast is taught way more black history than the West Coast is, you know, and our Southern girls happen to have more knowledge of their roots. So that's one reason why I asked. Big up, Texas. I was going to ask, I was going to ask, is there an app in the future? a good question i mean that's a very good question yeah that's good tbd well i was just gonna say tbd we have some things up up our um pipeline so just you know to be continued um we just would love you know for more people to support us and that would be awesome we do work for charter schools and across the nation so that's an amazing um factor to be a part of that so in co-op, so um, we're we're exciting. We're excited about the the future of the company. Hey, just want to tell all the listeners on Cherry's World to support our sponsor. Less is more events. A couple weeks ago, the All NBA All Star Game was in Chicago. I had a great time. Less is more. Lime gave me some great tickets to take my son to the all-star events he's young this is going to be an experience he's going to remember a lifetime 
Uh, just one of the perks of being part of Cherry's World and, and working with Less Is More events, man. Uh, if you all are interested in getting tickets in your area, no matter where you're listening to us at, in your area, all you have to do is call 202-930-3533. You can get tickets to any event in your area. Anything that's coming to your area, go call 202-930-3533. Lime. Tell them that Cherry's World sent you. All right? We need you to do that. This is one, this is one of our sponsors. This podcast is up for free. Call our sponsors. Less is more events. Get tickets to anything you want to go to. And the best part about it, you don't have to pay none of the service fees because Lime takes care of that. All right? 202-930-3533. Less is more events. Thank you, Lime. Brought to you by Less Is More Events. Get Lime. 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 If somebody wants to get in touch with you, ladies, what is the best way for them to do to do so? Oh, they um, can... the best way. Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Crystal. Well, the best way to get in contact with us, you know, we the website. We can you can go to www.legacykids.net or send us an email by going to admin at legacykids.net. Beautiful. And how can they order from you guys? Um, they can go on the website. The website is www.legacykids.net. And there are different ways to order. If people have customized orders, that's on there as well. Um, we do support um, multiple uh, schools and districts and so um, we do get orders from that way but we encourage those orders to be emailed to us because of the bulkness of it and um, we look forward to just helping other people to get this knowledge to their kids I mean our kids definitely enjoy it and you know we look forward to partnering with more families I love it I'm a huge fan so oh, thank you Thank you. Yeah. Anytime you guys have anything new, we'd love for you to come back and tell us about it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah, it, we appreciate you guys having us on. Is there anything else about Legacy Kids that you would like us to know? Um, sure, just stay tuned and, um, you know, keep us, you know, keep us in the forefront and we'll, you know, we, we keep on making it as long as you keep guys wanting it. Uh, what's your social media again? Uh, at Legacy Kits. At Legacy. Is that everywhere? Twitter, um, IG, Facebook. Yes, it's pretty right. much. Yeah, it's Legacy Kits. Um, Facebook, of course, dot com slash Legacy Kits, and at for Twitter at Legacy Kits, and um, you can just on Instagram, it's also Legacy Kits as well. Oh, okay. I see. I see you guys now. Are you awesome. Okay, great. <laughs> Was there something else you wanted to say, sweetie? Um, I just want to say that, um, you know, I was, um, when I was raising my kids when they were younger in elementary ages, you know, um, it was very, very important just to impart this to them. And they just really just loved it. And they loved the hands-on projects. It was just so exciting for them. And they learned so much you know they 
I mean, we learn about Thurgood Marshall, but do we really know that he had to memorize the Constitution in high school because he got in trouble all the time? <laughs> so it's just little details like that, you know, that makes us connect to the characters more. And we don't get that characteristic, those traits, when you're just kind of going through regular curriculum. So we just wanted our children to identify with each of our um, characters in African history and be able to um, just have a passion for their own education, for their own culture and their own history. I love it. I also love that it's self-driven. You know, like my daughter doesn't necessarily need me to sit down and read the book and then pick up her workbook and do what needs to be done. Right, I mean, that's a really good point. It's, you know, and all learning styles are covered. Um, so we got the, the one who has to have something with their hands to do. We have the one that's visual. And um, of course, um, auditory, we have people who read the books out loud and speak about it and have dinner topics about, you know, what they learned in their legacy kits. Um, it's nice to hear back from our families who use the kits. They really have just made it their own and it's become a family journey, not just for the children, because as you alluded to earlier, Sherry, most of us didn't learn these things growing up. So the parents are learning alongside the children. It's like a family affair. So that's you know, gives me goosebumps to know that we're doing that for families in the nation. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you for your love child and what you created and for sharing it with us. Thank you. No problem. Our pleasure. Thank you. Thank you thank, both. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Have a great one. You're you too. 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 Welcome to Cherry's World. Brought to you by Less Is More Events. Get Lime. Lime. Lime.